That's why they call us the gruesome twosome, Greg. They do call us that constantly. I'm constantly being told that we are, in fact, the gruesome twosome. Are we live? Is this is this in the video? It can be if you want it to be, Denny. Because this I'm is not sure fact, it's great material. I'm not sure this podcast is great material. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. Look at us. You can look at us now. We're on live video feed. Whoa! Do we look like you imagined? I think. Waluigi and Sweetums? <laughs> <laughs> were, were those good descriptors? <laughs> I cannot think of better descriptors for the two of us, honestly. You've, you've lost a little hair since then, Denny. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm still Sweetums. I'm more like a Bunsen Honeydew with a beard. <laughs> yeah. This hair reveal is going a little sideways, I guess. <laughs> Sad to say. Uh, but no, I think you look great. I hope the people think you look great. We're back. Thank you. And Denny, I kind of sprung this intro on you, I guess, but we're here to celebrate. Are you celebrating? Are you happy? I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating good times. What are we celebrating? The Big Bill One Hundy. We did a hundo of these shows 100 episodes of movies for motherfucking win baby ow ow it does hurt hell yeah we've done it man not a lot of podcasts make it this far not a lot of tv shows make it this far i'm proud of us denny better podcasters would have quit by now greg but we're worse than that and that's <laughs> what makes us who we are better podcasters that doesn't describe us at all so <laughs> How long, we've been doing this for two years and a few months. I, I guess I assumed we would have made it to 100. I think, like, somewhere in the 70s, right? Somewhere in the 70-something episodes, I was like, oh, we're close to 100. Ah, that's like 10 miles away. And then here it is. Surprise. It kind of got sprung on me a little. Man, it's weird to think we sat down to do this 100 times. <sighs> no kidding. Even even though I missed a couple, but, you know, whatever. Oh, so yeah. did you. I missed a couple, too, didn't I? Yeah. Probably. It happens. Well, that doesn't matter now. Canonically, there are 100 episodes, and yes. one of us was here for all of them. That's all I care about. Me, too. You know what? I think it's time to crack open the cold... Brewski. It is a beer this mm. time. It's not Throw a diet. back to Tango Charlie's. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's not a diet soda this time. It is actually alcohol content. Because, folks, we're recording this, and when this episode airs, which is tomorrow, our time, it'll be my birthday. So I'm I'm going to take the day off. I can drink and record a podcast the night before if I want to. I'm an adult. You see? Uh, this is not an alcoholic beverage for the YouTube algorithm, wink, wink. This is just... Uh, 
It's just a regular can that says Brewing Co. on it, all right? Just a regular can. (laughs) I'm going to have to hold it like a hot cocoa mug in a Hallmark Christmas movie. Conceal the fact. That's all you're seeing, people. (laughs) That's all. Nothing to see here. So, Denny, 100 episodes. We wrapped up our Spielberg theme last week. What are we here to do today to celebrate this milestone? Well, we're doing the only thing you really can do for 100 episodes, and that is a science fiction double feature. Uh, A throwback to the old days when we used to talk way too long about multiple movies in one episode. Uh, We have decided to honor the tradition of talking way too long about multiple movies in one episode because that's what brought us to the dance. And we are going to stay at that dance for at least 45 minutes of each movie. Um, And we are doing... Uh, uh, movies that are very special to our hearts. Uh, you can see Greg is uh, flanked by uh, merchandise from mm. our first pick, Ridley Scott's Alien, one of his favorite movies ever. There's a corner of the movie poster I have on my wall, and there's the Blu-ray. And what's this other Blu-ray, Denny? The other Blu-ray is right behind my face on the chat. <laughs> I didn't realize <laughs> there was another one. Just checking, I could have guessed it's James Cameron's Aliens, you know what uh, the, 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 one of the best sequels ever made to one of the best movies ever made. Um, I don't like to publicly be seen saying good things about James Cameron, but I got to give it to him. He did make Aliens, technically. He technically made Aliens. I feel like you're a little harsh on Big Jim, but you know, I'll let that slide. That's not what today's episode is about. This is more of a celebration than a uh, dissection of... Denny's tastes and incorrect takes. So I've got the Jonesy shirt on. That was a gift from my beloved co-host, Denny Taylor. I think I'm ready to go. I was in the mood for this stuff this week, man. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. I got to remind myself to not put the cursor on the screen while I'm recording. So. I'm a habitual clicker. You may have heard little click sounds during all our episodes. That's me just dicking around doing nothing. So... Denny, we're celebrating with two sci-fi smash hit classics, certified masterpieces. But we got to get started with something else first. We got to discuss the things that we watched that were not sci-fi certified smash hit masterpieces. Unless you watched something else that was. But I'm I'm eager to hear about what else you watched. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I... uh... I have two movies. I did, uh, in honor of Spooky Season kicking off, Vanessa and I did uh, restart Season 1 of Stranger Things. I think we're going to revisit that this fall. Um, Very cool. It's a chef's kiss. Um, and I watched in theaters uh, the hit comedy Bottoms. Um, Very nice. Have you seen it? Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I really want to. Dude, it's... It's the hardest I've laughed in a movie in a long time. Um, I feel like it's kind of Gen Z's super bad. Um, a lot All of right. the humor very much reminded me of Wet Hot American Summer. And then at the end I saw that Elizabeth Banks was an executive producer, so that makes sense. Um, and, uh, dude, I, but what was funny is, like, I was laughing at it, and I was loving it, and I was feeling like I got it. And I was like, this is weird because this is a movie for like lesbian zoomers with a female voice and i'm a cis straight male millennial um, mm-hmm. why why do i feel like i get this um and then i realized it's because 
I'm a therapist for so many cheeky lesbians um, that, that I relate to the content. I'm, I'm part of the demo now. Um, so Bottoms was hysterical. I highly recommend going to see it. Uh, most fun I've had watching a movie in forever. I might even go see it again because it was such a good time. Um, and then I watched another sci-fi masterpiece, um, Galaxy Quest. Have you seen Galaxy Quest? Dude, Galaxy Quest was a... I can't remember if it was a DVD or a VHS. Either way, it lived in the combo DVD-VHS player in my house. When I was a young boy, it lived there. Another Sigourney Weaver mm-hmm. uh, sci-fi masterpiece. Sigourney this week. No kidding. Yeah, I, I've watched that movie so many times. I was excited to see that you had posted like a review of it. Yeah, I had to uh, I had to study the script in my screenwriting class because it's a perfect script with no plot holes. Um, it's kind of like notorious for that. And as I was watching it, I was impressed that like in the third act, like everything is a Chekhov's gun going off. Like they're paying off like so many things. Like it really is like mm-hmm. a just a real neat and tidy script it's not like the best thing ever written but it's really clean you know like airtight um i really enjoyed galaxy quest um very very funny movie um with a lot of with a lot of heart uh probably the best thing tim allen ever did yeah tim allen's tim allen's i was keen on home improvement at the time but i have not revisited it so who knows sure sure (laughs) um and uh that's what i've been watching what about you? Uh, I only watched one show, one movie, and I wanted to discuss one video game. So all kinds of media. Sorry, music mm-hmm. fans. Uh, a TV show that I think Denny would really like. It is Detroiters. I uh, I see. I that watched face. the I watched the first episode because it was free. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't paid for the whole show yet, but I uh, I think it's. I thought the first episode was hilarious. Denny, I know for a fact you have Paramount Plus. The rest of the episodes are on there. Oh, fuck yes. So, there you go. Tim Robinson and Sam Richardson are dynamite in that show. Uh, For those of you who haven't seen it, it is a Comedy Central original show. If you're a fan of I Think You Should Leave, you're going to really like this show a lot. So, (laughs) just... uh, Denny, I encourage you to keep going. Find it on Paramount Plus. Keep watching. Maybe rewatch that first episode. It's a really fun time. So, I definitely will. <sighs> I really like it. Um, the movie we watched. It is a household favorite for my wife and I, who is behind me watching TV, which is why you see the lights over here freaking out a little bit, I guess. Uh, we watched Game Night for the first time in a few years. Jason Bateman, Rachel McAdams. If you've seen the game, you'll kind of get the premise. It's have you seen Game Night, Denny, or do you know anything no, I about it? No, you know you haven't heard of it. I see. Okay, I mean I, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. I don't really know much about it. Uh, a couple that just hosts uh, various game nights, play different board games and charades and that kind of thing. Uh, Jason Bateman has a rich brother that wants to up the ante, basically, and make like a <laughs> immersive game night where it's like. Oh, one of us is going to get kidnapped, and it's all actors. But then the kidnapping happens, and is it all actors? It's a really fun movie, and someone decided that they wanted to allow Rachel McAdams to be completely hilarious, and it really worked. So cool. she, 
it's probably the best movie I've seen her in. So I've it's, always liked Rachel McAdams. And a very solid Jesse Plemons. I will say that. It's a lot of fun. It's a good movie. Um, and the game I played. most I, I played this a while ago, but I wanted to mention it because it is on theme. Kind of a transition into uh, our movies for today. I played Metroid Prime Remastered for the Switch. Nice. Space Space Dread is music to my ears. That sort of atmosphere, if you can accomplish that in like a really engaging and organic way, I will consume Space Dread content any day of the week. It is a remake of a GameCube game that basically I watched my brother play because it was too hard. But now I'm an adult with coordination. See, I can play this game for myself, and it was a ton of fun. Really cool. And that's that's all the media I consumed this week, Denny. Super badass, dude. Super badass. Hell yeah. Well, are we ready to get into uh, part one of our double main event? I think we are. And we're going to start chronologically, of course. We're going back to 1979. Denny, we're here to talk about Alien without yes, the indeed. S. Alien <clears throat> Singular. Damn. I'm so excited. Finally, we get to cover this movie. We, we were saving it for a special occasion, and I think we picked the right one. This feels right. Yeah, it's more of a milestone event than, like, a part of a theme, basically. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's it's a celebration of the movie itself and of us. So, you know, I think it works great here. Uh, Alien, like I said, is from 1979. You can watch it on Hulu, I think is the only place. But as discussed... Yeah. I have this here Blu-ray. So, suck it, nerds. Uh, (laughs) Before we get into Alien, I would like to read the Critiker review of the week. This person gave it a 6 out of 6. Kind of a weird scale, but I see it as like a 5+. plus. Uh, I agree with this one a lot. Film's greatest exploration of the twin existential terrors of mortality and loneliness... Perfect set design, pristine cinematography, one of the greatest casts ever assembled, Jerry Goldsmith's legendary unnerving score, the first and best feminist icon of genre film, one of the most damning indictments of corporatism in all cinema. That was a lot of a lot of comments. Oh, and maybe the most primal and memorable villain ever created for film. Not bad for a B-monster movie in space. Couldn't have, damn. couldn't have said it better myself yeah is there uh, anything else to say do we want to just start aliens now yeah all right uh mission accomplished <laughs> i give it a oh uh, we'll chat about it a little bit well we've got some time danny let's talk about it a little what's your relationship with the flick alien um it's funny because like <clears throat> the reason i started doing my annual movie list was because it occurred to me in like 2016 2017 that i had never really sat down and watched all of alien and i was Mm -hmm. like that doesn't seem right i feel like i've seen that movie and i'd seen bits and pieces of it over the years um but i'd never sat down and watched it and Mm -hmm. that got me thinking like what other like kind of big deal movies have i not seen and i it was a tradition vanessa and i had for six years to uh make a list of movies to watch every year so the alien was the origin of that 
Um, and uh, I also feel a special attachment to it because I, I grew up going to Disney World a lot. Um, and they had this ride called the Great Movie Ride. Uh, do you know what I'm talking? Do you know what I'm referencing? Not a clue. I was not a Disney kid or adult, so. Um, it was this cool ride where it would take you through all these classic movies, uh, uh, and they had like animatronics and everything like that. But it opened in 1993 and was never updated. Um, okay. So just in time for Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's mostly like um, Mary Poppins and The Wizard of Oz uh, right. and uh, James Cagney gangster films and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but what is easily the coolest and most current part of the ride is the alien section. Mm-hmm. Um, and it scared the donkey fuck out of me as a kid it's not a scary ride at all like it has like casablanca and like fantasia and stuff um and the alien section is fucking scary and ripley's standing there with her gun pressed against the wall looking terrified and the sirens are going off and the xenomorph just comes out of the ceiling and tries to bite you um and it it looks really real and it was very frightening I don't and like this, that. Like, otherwise, totally chill ride. Uh, it was also badass as fuck. It was really cool. Um, so, I guess you could say Alien has a special place in my heart. It scared you in a tertiary way, even as a child. I appreciate yes. that. Yes. Um, I think I saw it for the first time, probably around the same time. Way too late. Six or seven years ago. And I had also realized, oh, I had... I'd never seen this one before, and I can't really explain why. I just always assumed it was too scary or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, picked it up, watched it. I think I got the... I think I... First time I watched it was when I picked up the Blu-ray. It was, like, super cheap. I was like, i never seen it. Heard it's good. Let's check it out. Watched it. Loved it. Every time I watch it, love it a little bit more. And that's why Hell we're here. yeah. Hell yeah. Um, synopsis of the movie. Do you want to do this or you want me to take it? Yeah, I'll snag this one. Alien yeah, is... Yeah, this is this is my freaking flick, man. Alien is a motion picture. Uh, sorry about it. I just dicked around, clicking around again. Oops. Alien is a movie about a space expedition unit in a ship. They are simply miners, M-I-N-E-R-S. They are all adults, no children involved. They are bringing a payload back to Earth, and they are awoken from cryosleep by their corporate company because the ship is picking up a distress signal from a, an unknown planet from an unknown source. They are sent to investigate on company orders, and what they find, they don't really understand. There is a crashed ship on the planet with a bunch of eggs in there. One of the eggs opens. The alien... A little face grabber thing attacks one of the uh, um, I want to say astronauts but that doesn't that's, they're more than astronauts one of the one of the crew members and lashes onto his face they can't get it off but then it seems like the crew member is fine and the little face grabber is dead so they celebrate have dinner but uh-oh it seems the face grabber laid some sort of child baby larva thing inside of the crew member Kane. And out from his chest bursts a little puppet alien that looks around, scampers off around the ship, and it is a hunt across the ship to find this alien. 
Unfortunately, they found that it is rapidly grown. It is massive and it is picking off the crew members one by one. Will there be escape? How do we kill it? Will we find out what it is? Who will survive? Space is scary, and so are giant aliens. That's alien, folks. Hot what damn. A, what a picture. What a picture. What a picture. All right, I'll let you get started, man. Like, Dude, I'll get started at the earliest place you possibly could in this movie. How about those opening titles? How Whoa! about those opening titles? Oh, my God. gosh. One line of each letter slowly dissolving in at a time. The letters seem too far apart. There's something so unnerving about this whole sequence that I love. I'm just like, ah, I'm in this flick as soon as it starts. Absolutely, man. And it just, like, it conveys such a gravitas. Like, you just... You know you're about to watch some serious fucking shit by that, you know? Like, it's mm -hmm. it's communicating the experience you're about to have to you uh, very accurately. Um, and the very next thing I noticed, uh, which is just kind of proof of uh, a certain hackness, uh, not that we do Star Wars on this podcast, because we don't, but George Lucas totally ripped off his famous Star Destroyer opening, <laughs> did he not? Star Wars came out two years before this. Wait, really? Yeah, it was one of the reasons Alien got made is because Star Wars was a proof of concept that people were willing to buy tickets to see sci-fi movies. Okay, edit me saying that out. I'll I will uh, <laughs> I'll totally in the notes here um, edit this to make you sound smarter. I feel like a dip ass. <laughs> <laughs> You're over here to smear George Lucas, and I'm not gonna let it stand. Not when it's unwarranted. He also made the prequels, so there's that, and Howard the Duck. Is, should I keep going, or is that but, enough? But he didn't make the sequel trilogy, and for that, I give him credit. <laughs> it's not so much what he did, but what he didn't do. <laughs> and you thought Star Wars was bad. Here's this Star Wars. Jesus. <laughs> Let's get back on task here, Danny. We don't do Star Wars. We, we don't do we, Star Wars. We cover movies that I will call a masterclass of atmosphere. I mentioned with Metroid Prime, this scratches a very particular itch. Space dread. It's just such a believable loneliness and just being surrounded by complete emptiness that you have nothing to focus on but the characters that you are meant to be focused on. And there's... Be something beyond the threat that's immediately facing them it's just the second something goes wrong in a space or sci-fi movie like when you're out in space you are immediately backed into a corner that is it there is no room for safety basically tension is immediately turned up to 10 cranked up to 11 why don't I just make these go to 11 but you know <sighs> we could just make 10 louder but one of the best taglines in all of cinema is in space, no one can hear you scream. Yes. And, buddy, there was some screaming involved here. How do you feel about, like, the atmosphere of Alien? Man, <clears throat> if this didn't win the Oscar for best uh, set design this year, I'd love to fucking see what did. Um, but it's not just, like, 
the sets give you such an immersion so then the atmosphere that happens with the light and the music on the sets feels very uh, uh, authentic it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like you're like watching a movie it feels like you're in space with them and that's because in this whole movie there's not a single thing that looks cheap there's not a single thing that looks fake or produced or hollywood it's all very very believably real spacecraft um mm-hmm. and uh it, it's just a master class in creating a space that doesn't actually exist through trick photography and models you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like um it, it, it's it's uh like it's the reason we picked it. I actually should have put this in my relationship. I watched this movie like a month and a half ago um, because mm. uh, we we wanted to watch a good one for our first movie in the new house. Um, and I felt that I needed to watch it again for this episode because I just vibed with it the first time. You know, like mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't really sit and appreciate like all the all the cinematic elements or like have thoughts i could say on a podcast from this recent watch i was just like bro i'm like in space with them i'm like on the nostromo mm-hmm. bro it's like scary but it also is kind of like a club in here you know <laughs> with all the flashing lights <laughs> oh hell yeah i'm glad you're vibing with it man and like set design it's not just like this looks like a spaceship it's every single part of the ship is so discernible from other parts that it makes you as an audience member feel like you kind of have an understanding of the geography basically of the ship you're like okay i know when they're in the medical bay i know where they're kind of in what i know what this tunnel leads to i know when they're close to the bridge i feel like i know where they are when i see them in certain locations it's very cool and i think like some of the tunnels were constructed from like um segments of old uh bombers so planes basically either the the design was taken from there or they were partially constructed from like planes and stuff to kind of sell this tubular sort of claustrophobia um i'm gonna be quoting a lot of the wikipedia page but um (laughs) Yeah, I encourage people to just read the Wikipedia page for this movie because it's a lot of interesting stuff on how it got written, how it got shot and made and that kind of thing. It's it's really cool, and I'm not going to just recite all of that because you could just read it for yourself. I feel like we're just here to discuss the vibes of it all. So, yeah, with that being said, um, something we talked about, I think, when we discussed doing this movie one day was this movie being written... Uh, unisex all the characters are unisex basically it was Mm. written where characters were just given last names essentially and they would be cast for who would fit that role male or female so that's Sigourney Weaver was cast last and she wasn't necessarily supposed to be a female lead or anything like that Hmm. they just landed on her as the best the best person for that role and that's why I think this movie works so well it's just like everyone works for the characters written it seemed like how they were visually was the last thing that was uh in anybody's mind when kind of crafting this story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i did not know that i did not know that that's an interesting piece of context for this movie uh famously uh famously 
one of the most iconic female lead performances. Uh, mm-hmm. I even, uh, in my office, um, I had a, uh, creature from the black lagoon poster. Um, and it has the creature carrying a woman off, um, you know, like, and I was like, mm, I don't want to like make it seem like a sexist office space, you know? <laughs> like, so mm-hmm. I was like, how do I balance that out? And I bought an aliens poster. Cause I was like, What's more, uh, what's more feminist than uh, Sigourney Weaver with a gun, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and uh, I, I just, I associate like this would be easily one of my first picks for like uh, examples of a strong female lead, and it's so interesting to know that uh, they weren't on a mission to accomplish that. It just was the right, the right person for the role. Yeah. And I like that. And we'll get into Aliens, of course, in a little bit. But, like, that same sort of spirit carried on in the second movie, where it's just, like, this character was kind of expounded upon and just fleshed out even more. And you're like, oh, she was literally perfect for this role. Mm -hmm. It worked out so well. You know, um, we didn't listen to the smart woman, and now everyone's dead because we didn't listen to the smart woman. Just... Now it's just her and the cat trying to fend for themselves. Uh, spoilers for the flick, I guess, by the way. Uh, I did want to give some flowers to Balaji Badejo. I hope I'm saying that name right. He is the Nigerian actor who played the xenomorph in this movie. Ah. Uh, he is six foot ten, and one of the uh, casting uh, team members met him in a bar and decided that he needed to be in this movie. Because they wanted, you know, he's 6'10", he's enormous. They wanted the xenomorph to not look like a person in a suit, but look like something unbelievable. Or, like, you wouldn't believe that it was a person in there, basically. Yeah. Um, It was the only movie he ever did. Uh, Unfortunately, he passed away in 1992 from sickle cell disease in in his hometown. He was only 39. But... I wish we saw a little bit more of him, I guess, because his, his body performance as the Xenomorph, you really don't even... Something about you knows that it's a guy in a suit, right? Yeah. But like when you're watching it, you're like, this is just an alien terrorizing these people. He's so There's just this quality to him that's so unhuman that that's not the first thing that enters your mind when you're watching the on-screen product, basically. I mean, I think right until now, I don't think I knew it was a guy in a suit. Like, I think I thought it was an effect. Um, right, like an alien. Yeah, like an E.T. thing running around, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, I uh, I don't know that I had connected that that was a bodysuit for a human. Like, that's how good of a job they did. Um, that's really cool. Really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to give him a little shout-out, a little love. Um, now, Denny, you're a big fan of horror flicks. We've Certainly. discussed several times. We will we'll be discussing in the near future, of course. Uh, Roger Ebert pointed out that this one was pretty unique, and that was this is a horror movie with a cast of characters that skew older. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting. Um, that just kind of helps sell the believability and the immersion like this isn't a bunch of people running around like you know 
I'm thinking of Night Screams, of course. Like a bunch of teenagers <laughs> running around like, oh my god, something's killing us. What do we do? And they make yeah. irrational decisions and nobody knows what they're doing. But this this is an example of like everybody is a professional. They're fully competent at their jobs. It, like, and but, their jobs involve space travel for like yeah. presumably over a year they wake up with 10 months left on their journey right like they're yeah, exactly. they're all badasses every one of them the decisions seem motivated like they understand the threat and they're you know making decisions that in the moment i don't know i would make which makes this whole thing a whole lot scarier is when like the best people to handle the situation more than likely they can't even handle it mm-hmm. so can you think of any other like horror movies where we're we're stuck with a cast of characters that does actually know what they're doing, but they just get bested? Hmm. Let me think. Um. Off the top of my head. Oh wait, I've seen something recently. Um. Mm. compelling audio i know a man oh yeah thinks um a man thinks about a movie he can't remember um nothing is coming to mind um because and i think to to quote abed nadir um you lose empathy for the characters because they make choices the audience wouldn't make um so when the characters start doing stuff that i wouldn't do i'm like well they kind of deserve to die because i would have gotten out of that right they were stupid um mm-hmm. it is hard to write a character that is smart enough to keep the audience invested and to also keep that character constantly in peril. Um, it's, you know, like yeah. to have them be competent enough, but still get bested all the time. Um, and that's probably cause the easy way out is to just like, write Jason Voorhees hacking up a bunch of stoned hippie, horny dumbasses, you know, like, um, <laughs> that the audience didn't even like to begin with. Um, whereas like, I felt something at every kill in this movie. Um, a, a little piece of me went with the crew, you know, like everybody was a fleshed out character that brought something to the table. And you just saw as like each crew member went down, it poked holes in the boat, you know, like they, they all mm-hmm. had value. Um, God, I love this movie. It's so good. It is so good. Hell yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of expand on the relatability here. We've all been in a job at some point where somebody four levels above you that whose name you've never heard of they're just someone at corporate air quotes there and they're just making decisions like oh you guys need to do this now and it ruins your entire day because something happened you know five ways removed from you that now it's your problem you got to take care of it this is definitely the extreme of that but I feel like it's very relatable, kind of like the review mentioned um, indictments of corporatism. It's just like, oh, the company needs this thing. Uh, the crew's expendable. We just want this thing for science, for research, for our weapons division. And I like that the crew was smart enough to kind of, or at least Ripley was smart enough to kind of put that together. That That's what was really going on. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like Ripley figures out that uh, Ash is a robot before the audience does, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, or at least she knows something's up. Like, she she knows not to trust him before we do. I'll say that much. Um, 
I don't know. It, it just instills a lot of confidence in Ripley's instincts as a protagonist. And we have to stick with her through a lot of instinctual moves, um, especially in the climax of the movie. But I feel like I've been taught this whole movie because she's just been right the whole time, you know, yeah. like, and people have died because they didn't listen to her. And so you really trust her by the time it's just her, Jonesy, and the Xenomorph on the uh, on the pod. Mm-hmm. And, man, how great is Ash? Uh, Sir Ian Holm, rest mm-hmm. in peace. Mm-hmm. He's incredible in this. I can't, you know, I can't think of anyone that could have done it better. It's just like, it's such a good performance and like everything seems like he's describing everything so matter of fact and he's kind of standoffish and it always seems like something else is in the back of his mind like he's got ulterior motives but like you can't really get an exact read on it it's a really really good performance and the fact that Ripley is kind of able to pick up on this kind of uneasiness this uneasy vibe of the character kind of strengthens her character in my opinion so I love Ian Holm he's a great android and he's a great hobbit and we love him so (laughs) you got me with that jump scare with the ring buddy you really got me (laughs) (laughs) just give him the mithril damn (laughs) so I've always considered Laurie Strode in Halloween to be the greatest final girl in slasher history. Um, My question for you is, does Alien qualify as a slasher, and does that title belong to Ripley? I was going to say, it depends on if you consider this enough of a slasher. If you do, I would say it goes to Ripley, but I don't view this as much of a slasher, because so many of the kills are either off-screen or so close up that you can't really see them. Mm-hmm. I feel like a slasher is more like exactly that. The hack and slash, we're here for the kills. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see them a little bit better. Maybe not at first, but definitely those second, third, fourth characters that get killed off, you see them really, really in, in gruesome detail. Yeah. And that's kind of part of the spectacle of it. This is like, it's more an atmosphere and a dread of <laughs> death impending death basically I, mm-hmm. a final girl for a horror type movie but maybe not a slasher yeah i i do think it follows the slasher formula but i do i do agree with your points of of how it differentiates itself from a slasher mm-hmm. uh but i like its take on uh on the slasher formula where basically we spend the entire first half of the movie earning the first kill um, mm-hmm. And then after that, all the kills feel earned because we spend so much time establishing the threat. Whereas most slashers, they're giving you a kill in the opening scene to, you know, like be like, hey, mm-hmm. the party started. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> getting mutilated. Stick around for more. <laughs> um, and I do. And so I think that's, it, while it is still like a big evil monster um, picking off a team one by one, you know, like that's just the slasher formula. Uh, oh, but something else I thought of, maybe. Does a slasher need to have a human protagonist? Have you ever seen one that doesn't? Oh, I don't know. I never thought of that as a rule, but I don't consider Pumpkinhead a slasher, you know? A human protagonist? Like Laurie Strode, or like... 
No, like Michael Are you calling Myers Michael Myers or Jason like, Voorhees? Um, I always humanoid. Humanoid, yeah. Like, there's a lot of slashers where it is just a deranged person. You know, your Texas Chainsaw Massacres and that kind of thing. But Even I feel Chucky's like humanoid. Yeah. <laughs> Even Leprechaun. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like as things kind of progressed and we figured out we could make people in costumes or CGI things look more non-human the slasher genre maybe steered away towards kind of the supernatural uh in a sense so i don't think it's strictly defined to just be like a human slasher in your slasher mm-hmm. or even humanoid but it definitely helps otherwise it's just like a monster movie maybe i feel like this is kind of the exception to that kind of rule maybe Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do think it qualifies as a monster movie and I do think it's uh, tied with the thing for go monster movie and it's interesting that uh, Ooh. they're both sci-fi movies and you would think at least in my books you would think that category would belong to a horror movie but I would say the two best monster movies ever made are the thing and alien interesting yeah it is I mean I can't say it's not a monster movie but <laughs> you know <laughs> I I think of this one first as a horror movie, but like just general sci-fi, I guess. Oh yeah, the, I, the thing would, the same way. I I just think like so few like sci-fi horror is not that common of a movie, anyways. And I feel like it's just so rare that there it's so heavy on both the sci-fi and the horror. You know, like usually mm-hmm. it's like. A slightly scarier sci-fi you know <laughs> like but this one has all of the like horror uh tropes and conventions and lighting and uh scares but just mm-hmm. set on such a sci-fi backdrop it feels so fresh i i don't know that there's ever been anything like it yeah and specifically the jump scares man like i've seen this movie f- five times probably mm-hmm. and like some of those jump scares even though i know they're coming still absolutely get me uh when ripley's in in the uh escape pod and she escapes the self-destructing nostromos and the <laughs> xenomorph is like in the like curled up taking a little nap in the wall basically and it like reaches the hand out at her that always scares me every single time even though i know it's coming it's effective. Absolutely. Effective Ooh. horror. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. yeah, I mean, this is one of those movies where you feel the tension no matter uh, how many times you've seen it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, ew. Ooh. I, feel, I feel the urgency every time I watch it. Um, I almost gave my favorite line to the sound that the sirens make. You know, <laughs> just because... Oh my gosh. You know the shit is on when you hear those sirens. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They're just so overbearing. It's, you know, I've talked about the atmosphere of the movie. But it's just, it seems like it accomplishes, like, three different atmospheres. It's kind of seamlessly flowing between, like, it starts out pretty serene and mysterious, and then there's, like, this quiet foreboding as we, like, sneak around looking for the little creature. And then the alarms are going off, the xenomorph has killed everybody, 
it's abrasive it's panicked and it's just tense like all three kind of sets of atmospheres are creating this tension that makes my b-hole look like those uh um hatch those little hatches that were traveling in between you know that's that's what my body does but like we're we're seamlessly flowing through then it's like three different breeds of tension that we're all feeling the same just it's just a variation of how heightened it is i guess pretty cool absolutely man um I wanted to acknowledge on your note of smart protagonist. Mm. After they uh, figured out that they could uh, revive uh, Ash and use him for information, they got what they needed, and then they go, hold on, wait a minute. And then they just torch the motherfucker to make sure there's not any magic flight jump scares where he comes back from the dead. (laughs) I do That was smart. that. That was a great move. Oh, yeah. Let's make double sure. <laughs> oh my god, I'm not even going to get into the newer of the more recent Halloween movies and how they... Whatever. Alright. Not going to get off topic here. It's like, I stuck a knife a quarter inch deep in him. It must be over now. Did you watch the other movies? <laughs> Stupid. I'm, I'm still not ready to talk about the newer Halloween movies. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, healing hasn't uh, begun yet <laughs> yeah, we all had to see it at some point i guess but you know um all right denny how are you feeling where, where are feel we going from inside. here i feel happy of myself um Ooh. let me see let me see um any good notes no i don't know i mean you kind of limited me on the time on the time <laughs> here so i was like i'll take i i wrote the majority of my notes i wrote before even watching the movie (laughs) okay i I know a lot of the stuff i want to talk about and then i watched it and added a few more things but you know i've got a i've got a couple quick ones um Mm. one um shout out to a 70s horror movie where the black guy doesn't die first there we go that's how you know that they really didn't have roles in mind with the casting because honestly most movies at this time killed the black guy first yeah he was like Uh, third i think i think so fourth um second one is this is something i've always loved (laughs) after ash goes on and on about like how this is an unbeatable threat and a perfect organism (laughs) Mm -hmm. we find out that even perfect organisms need their memes (laughs) and (laughs) the the whole final scene happens because the Awean guy sweepy. <laughs> I told you he took his little nappy time in the <laughs> cozy little escape pod. He played with the cat for a few minutes, bat bat bat, and then he, you know, took his little snoozy nap time. Yeah, even uh, perfect yep. organisms have got to get their sleepies, their beauty rest. <laughs> It's just so fucking funny to me that it was, like, worn out from a long day of eating everyone (laughs) and being born a worm and evolving into a massive 12-foot-tall creature dripping acid off its body at all times. Really worn out. 
I had to make cocoons out of all these people. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he had a big day. Big he day. had a big day. That's that's what we often tell our doc too. Somebody <laughs> had a big day when all he did was nap. So, and there he is but, now, uh, asleep on the floor, <laughs> like he did shit. This uh, seems like a good time to get into gimmicks, and then we'll uh, jump into aliens. Alien dollar signs. Let's do it, man. So, we're celebrating ourselves. We're celebrating the movies, but then we also got to celebrate the gimmick of the week. I, I, I notated it as simply the 100 emoji, Denny. What is the gimmick of the week? Please expand upon what I have written down here. Something that you wish there were 100 of. <laughs> ah. I thought it was like something you could watch 100 times and never get tired of it. That's how I kind of... Oh, either way, I think we'll have slightly different interpretations, but that won't affect the quality of the gimmick of the week. I don't think so. Yeah, I think I think we're good here. So, Denny, what is your hunted moment? <laughs> I wish there were a hundred of cats like Jonesy, because real cats suck, but I find Jonesy endearing as fuck. Um, I wish I knew a hundred cats just like him. There's a hundred cats just like him, but this one is mine. <laughs> um yeah, I wish the same. Now, I think my hunted moment in the movie, H U N N I D, not H U N T E D. I don't want to cause any confusion here given the subject matter. The opening scene. Not the title screen, but when we're on the um kind of in the what am I trying to say here? The bridge and the ship is kind of booting itself back up to wake up the crew. And you just see the computers flick on, and it's just that scrolling text as the computers kind of flick on. It's reflecting off of this the um, the face covers of the emergency helmets. When I want to think about how this movie feels, I think about that scene. Yeah. It's just like the sound effect of all the words. In this, like, probably the best analog future spaceship i've ever seen in a movie mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we talked about analog futures a lot the last few weeks but this is the kind that is just so damn believable every button pressed feels like it really does something in this mm -hmm. movie it's mm -hmm. so cool i'm glad you picked that because i meant to talk about that and i forgot i <laughs> me love, too until just I now i <laughs> love a good analog future man i really really do now the director's cut of this movie kind of has like a It'll show the screen of, like, the directive of, like, you know, crew expendable. The order that basically says, bring the alien back for research. Mm -hmm. It shows the display as, like, kind of a digital screen that kind of fills up the entire your entire screen when you're watching mm -hmm. it. It's a little bit of a departure from, like, the analog uh, view of all the screens we kind of see in the movie. It's a little bit jarring. Um, I got to brush up on the theatrical version on this on this blu-ray here so mm -hmm. to see what that kind of originally looked like but yeah it's just damn you, you just feel like somewhere in that ship there's like tapes slowly spinning that are kind of running this whole operation it's, <laughs> it's so cool very very cool um what is your favorite line uh one of my favorite lines was when they're trying to use the motion sensor to track down the alien and we're looking for micro density changes in air pressure and 
can't remember who says it, but they say microdensity changes in air pressure my ass. Love it. Um, my favorite line is from a scene that you briefly mentioned wherein Ash is explaining why he's so enamored with this creature. I think it kind of speaks to, you know, him being an android. There's, It feels like there's a humanity programmed into him that he's kind of envious that the xenomorph doesn't really possess and Ripley they're kind of have a con- having a conversation about it and Ripley tells Ash that she thinks he is admiring the creature and Ash says I admire its purity a survivor unclouded by conscience remorse or delusions or of morality like of course an android be- would be into that just kind of letting go of any sort of human inhibition that might have been programmed into him it's just like this is the perfect creature this is the perfect specimen even the even the android is like recognizing it and like kind of jealous in a way very cool yeah we kind of sort of basically picked the same one minus Mm. from like a second later i picked just (laughs) the words perfect organism Mm. um Mm -hmm. because that just in two words conveyed to me like when he goes you haven't realized what you're up against you know like um it conveyed to me how fucked they were and it always stuck with me and that's why it's infinitely hilarious to me that the perfect organism got sweepy um because there was no way to beat this thing but everything sleeps so it's believable (laughs) that it would sleep right like literally pretty much every sharks don't i guess um Sharks are the perfect organism. What's he talking about? <laughs> we already did Jaws. Shut up, Denny. Um, but yeah, we basically picked the same thing. Essentially. That scene absolutely stood out. Yep. One of many great scenes. So, I will give a runner-up to when Ripley's trying to recruit people to her cause and someone's agreeing with her and being like, if it means killing it, and she cuts him off, goes, of course it means killing it! I was just like, God, <laughs> she's a boss. Like, I fucking love this. Like, not even fully looking at them. Of course it means killing it. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> as I was saying, hell yeah, that's a good pick. I like that scene, too, from her. It seems like that's when she had the most control, basically. Mm-hmm. I just wish she had a little bit more of it. Uh, Denny... What did you give Alien on the old Critiker score there, bud? I gave it a 50 out of 50, five-star, perfect yes. score. Um, I feel that uh, our near hour-long discussion about this without a single negative mentioned uh, justifies oh, yeah. this rating uh, expl- or, uh, implicitly. So that's all I'll say. Perfect score, no flaws, no notes. Way to go, Ridley Scott. Everybody, you all nailed it. Well done, everybody involved. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, in a similar vein, I gave this one a 39 out of 40, which basically means it's among the top 10 movies of all time for me in terms of score. I've got the giant poster and everything. Sure. Whatever. Like, I, I absolutely love this movie. I think, like, if I had to pack, pick any drawbacks, it's probably, like, I could have used, like, five more seconds of seeing the alien maybe like some full body shots or like a little bit more clarity on the kill scenes and that kind of thing but i don't really feel like it hinders the movie you know the more you kind of reserve and hold back and 
leave this creature shrouded in some mystery, the more tension can be kind of sustained throughout the film. So I'm not complaining about it too heavy, but it's you got to do a lot to get a perfect score out of me. And a 39 out of 40 is essentially a perfect score. So I love this. It's basically perfect score, but not your favorite movie ever. Yeah, exactly. Like you cannot do better than this but it's not like my favorite movie ever, but I do consider it an absolute masterpiece. So two thumbs up from us guys. It feels like two thumbs way up and a little Xenomorph tail. <laughs> Ooh, spiky. <laughs> you see? Ooh. All right, Danny, we've aliened. Are you ready to aliens? I am ready to aliens. Hold on, let me let me use my famous prop here. First visuals on the notepad. First visuals on the used notepad. for Foley in uh, post-production of Movies for Win episodes. One of, the, one of the stars of the show you've heard several times, but not seen. We're here to cover Aliens. Uh, that's, <laughs> ignore the fact that that's mirrored. Oh, I should have put a little dollar sign in the S in Jonesy. That's what, <laughs> that's what James Cameron should have done. Yeah, he, he cut Jonesy out of the whole movie. No, he was in the beginning. Yeah, but then when all the cool shit starts happening, they leave Jonesy behind. Like, we, he's not the fucking one of two survivors <laughs> of the Nostromo. We could not put the cat in the advisory role, too. We could not reasonably put it in the way. And I'll get into... I'll get into it later why pretty much every decision around the story building of this movie is pretty much perfect later but first Denny I gotta mention that Aliens dollar sign is a 1986 film that you can also watch on Hulu this is Fox property of course if you didn't notice from both movies just having that absolute mood setting 20th century Fox intro music oh my god I love it that 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 and it's just like the older the movie the older it sounds you're just like oh my god i'm so ready for the vibe of this so cool anyways it's on hulu denny before we get into our relationship with alien dollar signs i'll give another critical review of the week this time for aliens this user gave it an 86 out of 100 and called it the sweatiest movie in history not starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> well well stated. <laughs> I was a little too serious on the last review. I wanted to have some fun with this one. That was but, yeah, fun. That was fun. I liked couldn't have said it once. better myself. I really liked it. Uh, apparently in the first movie, I think Sigourney Weaver, like, whatever... Um, stuff they put on you to make you look sweaty that plus cat dandruff or dander like made her have really bad allergy outbreaks so i get, i think she was a little less sweaty when she was handling jonesy dude the sigourney weaver animatronic on the ride i was talking about earlier was sweaty like it was Ooh. it like permanently looked sweaty <laughs> breaking <laughs> like painted cannon. a coat of sweat onto this thing there is a cast member whose entire well maybe not entire job but part of their daily responsibilities is to like <laughs> rehydrate sigourney. <laughs> spray sigourney get just a little tss, tss. we need you to mist we need you to mist ripley real quick 
Like you're in a grocery <laughs> store and these are the vegetables you're worried about. There's <laughs> probably a thunderstorm sound effect. <laughs> you know the shelves at Kroger? Yeah, it's that. Do it to Ripley, please. Um, hell yeah, that's so cool. I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. Denny, what is your relationship with aliens? You know, I was really surprised when I was thinking about this. Um, up until this week, I have only seen it once. And I guess it made such an impression on me, you know, like that I, mm-hmm. that I, I felt like I'd watched this a bunch of times, but I'd only seen it once. It was on the list of uh, movies the first year I did it that I referenced earlier. Uh, I thought since I was seeing Alien, I might as well see the other classic sci-fi I hadn't seen in its franchise. Um, so I don't really have much of a relationship with this movie, but uh, I'm interested in one. <laughs> mm. I kind of want to rewatch it again now. Um, what about you? I'm sure it's willing and ready. <laughs> uh, once again, you and I have almost identical relationships with this movie. I've only seen it the one time, and it was within a few months, I guess, of seeing the first one. Mm. I was late aboard the train, but what else is new? If you've been here a while, you know I'm... I'm late to everything. Sorry. Hit me with a note while I burp. This is a current events podcast. Current event podcast. (laughs) Have you guys seen Aliens? Oh my god. Came out four years before I was born. But, you know. We're trying to... We're we're getting up to speed. We'll get there eventually. Yeah, of course we will. You guys heard of these Lord of the Rings movies? Um... (laughs) Yeah, I I had fewer notes, shorter notes. Um, I already covered the the fanfare of the 20th Century Fox intro. But yeah, this is cool. This is another cool. I think it's a less impactful like opening title screen. It's a very James Cameron one though. Yes, and it works well here. You get a lot more of the drums and like it's just kind of the. The words kind of slowly appearing. He's got a certain vibe or like, I don't know about trend, but like there's a way he does his title screens that kind of echo each other maybe a little bit between this and like Terminator. You're just like, yeah, this is one of his movies. But I think this one does a very good job at setting the tone for what we're going to get for the movie. Mm -hmm. And what can I say? I'm into it from the very very opening few seconds i'm into this one as well Uh, i have to agree with you um yeah you did say something that uh really highlighted a weird experience i had an unpleasant one um it's a very Uh james cameron opening sequence um so this is a good movie this is a really Mm. really good movie and i rate it very highly Mm-hmm. Um, one of my one of my favorite sci-fi action movies. Um, one of my favorite, if not my number one favorite, uh, like final fight in a sci-fi movie ever. I think it's so fucking badass, and I'm sure we'll get into it. Um, I watched it on the same day as Alien, back to back. Okay, and you really miss Ridley Scott when you do that. Okay. <laughs> um, this this movie in ways I probably wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't just watched Alien. 
Um, there's just a lot of annoying little James Cameron things all sprinkled throughout the... What is a great movie? Um, there's these little things that just really grind my fucking gears, Greg. Um, that are just very James Cameron-y. Did you, did you catch those things? Am I, am I a crazy person? They didn't play bad to the bone. So I'm gonna. <laughs> it's not a franchise ruining level of of James Cameron things, but they're there. I I think I maybe in my notes a little bit here. I feel like those just were more '80s things than James Cameron things. If we're kind of thinking about the same stuff, so I guess give me a couple of examples. Back your claim a little bit. You've just got. Uh... All these, like, hicks yelling one-liners and, like, acting like jackass jocks in a locker room. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there is one bit of comic relief in Alien, and it's when they uh, think they're hunting the xenomorph, but it's Jonesy, right? Yeah, nothing they find else Jonesy. Is, nothing else is funny in that whole movie. Um, Hold on. Okay, Ian Holmes spitting milk everywhere was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Bukaki ash, if I may. Um, <laughs> oh, there was the part where like they're fucking with Ripley, and they just like we can't hear each other. And as soon as she leaves, they like turn off that steam pipe, basically. Like, oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's funny. That's okay, more so characters. there's two funny things in a two and a two half intentionally movie. funny things. Yes. Yeah. Um, this movie has a lot of comic relief. I, I feel like. Uh, very much in the same way that uh, Mr. Cameron did with uh, Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, where Terminator 1 had a lot of grit, um, and Terminator 2 was more polished and more Hollywood and more watered down for the common denominator in the audience. Um, And I feel like we see the same thing, even though he didn't direct Alien, um, because... um, um, this one is, it's just, Alien is scary as fuck. It's got so much grit. And one of the things that's so cool about Aliens, I'm not burying it, mm-hmm. um, is that it's a completely different genre. And I think that's a great thing for a sequel to do is justify its own existence by making a major change in how the story yeah. is told. Badass. Great move. Um, but it is a lot more box office you know, like mm-hmm. Alien is like half-assed art house horror at this point. You know, like um, it's it's elevated horror for sure. Um, and this is this is this is a really great big budget action movie, is what it is. And there's just so much, just so much more. And th- this is what James Cameron is good at, and this is why he makes so much fucking money. He's good at appealing to people. <laughs> um, yeah. But I'm a fucking weird guy, and I tend to prefer things that don't appeal to most people. Ooh. Oh, fuck off. You make a <laughs> podcast. You're covering Alien and Aliens on a podcast right now. You're wearing a Jonesy shirt that you love. I do love it. <laughs> yeah, you like, you're just a normal guy, aren't you, Greg? Just a regular old Waluigi about town. I'm just a regular guy with my lightsaber lightsaber LED in front of my everything everywhere all at once poster. Um, <laughs> just a regular old guy. That's yeah. Joe Standard over here. 
I, I can tell how much you love Big Bang Theory from this podcast. Bazorpal. Uh... <laughs> Denny, we gotta we gotta move on from this. I'm sorry you don't like Big Jim as much as I do. Um, I fucking hate him. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't go that far. He made Terminator and Aliens, but what has he done for me lately? Avatar 2, The Way of Water. Sucks ass. Who would want to see that? I haven't seen it, so I'm me not gonna either. judge it. No, I'm gonna judge it. I saw okay. Avatar 1. But it's got Sigourney Weaver. We love her. I do love Sigourney Weaver, and I hope she got that bag. I know she did, actually. I'm glad James Cameron made her uh, even richer woman. Ah. Ellen Richley, if I may. <laughs> um, hey, by the way. Uh, oh, sorry. Ripley's daughter is mentioned at the beginning of this movie. And, Denny, I don't know if it's on Switch, which I know is pretty much all you play, but if you want to play a cool video game... Where you get to play as Ripley's canonical daughter, Alien Isolation is a very cool horror game that really captures a lot of the spirit of the first movie. I'm looking it up right now. I do want to play that game. Frantically Googling. You do also have my old PS3, which I think it is on also. Oh, shit. 1999 on Nintendo eShop. Wait. Oh, it cost. I was like, it did not come out that year. But okay, yeah, twenty. Uh, oh yeah, not not yeah. Oh dude, I'm getting this shit. That's what I'm it doing after this. Very cool. That's what I'm yeah. doing after this shit. I'm isolating up in this motherfucker. Atta boy. Yeah, play that. You play as Ripley's daughter. I can't remember exactly like how it ties in. I think she's kind of searching for her mom. I can't remember the exact plot. I. I played it like seven years ago. I can't really remember. But it does have like, you have the little motion detector. You have a lot of the same tech. And it all sounds the same. It capt Like your little save station, you shove a little cassette tape into to like save the game. It's like, it achieves a lot of that same atmosphere. Very fucking cool. Um, that is a very fun sidebar. I recommend people play that game. Oof. Anyways. You, you mentioned a little bit about this movie, Aliens, while Denny mm -hmm. continues to Google things. <laughs> he's, he's smashing purchase on the Nintendo eShop right now. <laughs> you mentioned this movie being a, a total departure and that kind of servicing it as a sequel. If you're going to make... If you're going to make a sequel that's... For, first of all, if you're going to make a sequel to something that, that, that is that good, just make it your own thing. I appreciate that this movie didn't try to replicate or recreate everything from the first movie and try to just like scale it up a little bit. I think that's, I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it soon, despite <laughs> all the warnings otherwise, but I would like to see Alien 3. I do too. The Blank Check podcast is covering David Fincher films now, and they're starting with Alien 3, his first movie. I did not know it was a David Fincher film. Yeah, that's his first movie. Um, I did. Not I have that. not heard a lot of good things about the movie. And apparently, I, it's, tr it's trying to kind of catch the middle ground of the horror atmosphere of the first one and the action of the second one, and it just kind of falls flat. So which, I, uh, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I, no, I, hmm? I wanted to. Oh wait, which of us is going to go ahead? You. It's your birthday tomorrow. You go ahead. Fine. Uh, to conclude my point, I, I'm glad that Aliens didn't try to, like, 
slightly change the ante not maybe not up it just like slightly change it and make it kind of an slightly more actiony version of the same horror kind of elements as the first one mm-hmm. you made it your own thing you did well making it your own thing like the action fingerprints of james cameron all over it and it works every explosion every action set sequence every set piece looks great um recapturing the vibe of the first movie was going to be impossible so just like create the first create yours with a full understanding of the first one and make every sort of escalation or change make sense we're this far into the future you know the military has upped their weaponry we're sending marines in there not just like your generic space travelers we have colonies on more planets we saw how many eggs were in the first movie so it would make sense that there's like a whole bunch of xenomorphs swarming this planet ripley's motivation for kind of going back makes sense we established motive like every decision made and like why things are the way they are and why the story is progressing from the first one in through like the first to second act of the second one it all flows together and makes sense um seamlessly so I just wanted to praise that like there's a reason why this is considered one of the best sequels ever made is because it makes sense if you watch the mm-hmm. first one to the second one every story element even though it's a complete tonal departure everything sort of flows together and you kind of understand why if you're going to make a sequel why it was made so different i guess that was kind of my whole point yeah no and it's like interesting because like when the first one's ending and Ripley's recording her voiceover, she says, like, with any luck, I'll be picked up. Um, and it's such a happy ending that I'm like, yeah, of course she'll be picked up. And then uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> it totally makes sense when Aliens <laughs> hits you with reality and says, like, she was floating around in nothingness. Of course no one fucking found her. You know, like, <laughs> it's like what was she expecting? It's um, a miracle anyone found her. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, there's there is. So I, I I'm on the fence about this. Um, on on a note of what you were saying, um, I've said I love the transition in genres. Um, I love what you're saying about everything making sense and tracking logically. Um, they don't really have to retcon much. For the most part, they are true to the rules set up in the first movie. Um, other mm-hmm. than when they kill some of the face huggers, they don't bleed acid everywhere. And that really, really stuck in my craw, James Cameron. Yeah. I saw your lazy ass. Um, but, um, it's also something I don't like that I do think makes sense, but I don't like it still, but I don't know if it was a good choice or not. Mm -hmm. The escalation from one xenomorph that is impossible to kill to, hundreds of xenomorphs that we just mow down they pose like no threat like we can just wreck these fuckers um and here's here's why i'm on the fence about that decision on the one hand do i think you could have got lightning in a bottle twice um with with the fear and the horror of alien and the monster in the dark and all that probably not 
especially not with James Cameron instead of Ridley Scott making it. So this is a movie that more played to the director's strengths and and that's not an insult. I'm saying James mm-hmm. Cameron was great at making this type of movie. Ridley Scott was making great at making that type of movie. Um I'm just saying like they probably couldn't have recreated what I love about the one solo alien that's impossible to kill. Yeah. But I also hate the power creep of something that felt so special is just nothing. Killing a xenomorph is nothing in this movie. Um, what say you? What say you about this dilemma? Um, I understand it, and I sort of go back and forth and feel very similarly to you. I think I... I just think about the first movie, they did not have a gun. And that's what they I had, forgot to say. It makes yeah. sense because now it's military instead of cargo. You know, like... It makes sense that the military would have weapons that they didn't have. It even yeah. tracks logically. I just don't love it. Um, sorry, go on. Okay. No, no, you're absolutely right. Like even it, during like the briefing to the the group of Marines, they're like, "Oh, is this just another bug hunt?" Like they found other aliens on other colonies or planets. Basically, that's just like the Marines are sent in. We've designed weapons specifically to kill big unkillable things right your starship trooper guns are now (laughs) are now in effect basically Mm -hmm. and in the original movie all we really had was a scalpel and a couple of flamethrowers that's all we really had we didn't have any explosives we didn't have any firearms Mm -hmm. and i get what you're saying like it i understand that you logically can parts like those two things like these two things are separate it does make sense that this evolution happened i do also understand your like lack of love for like the way that the xenomorph is handled from movie to movie yeah basically well because that's what like it takes away what we were talking about in our favorite lines you know like the reverence for this thing and like even ash saying stuff like you wouldn't dare kill it. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's... Well, yes, you would dare kill it. It's actually not a big deal to kill it. That sucks. It no longer like feel. That. It no longer feels like the perfect specimen on a micro scale. But mm-hmm. I think this movie does do a good job at uh, showing the xenomorphs as the perfect specimen on a macro scale. With a queen that's capable of laying eggs, a breeding, and, like overtaking level of power like the marines weren't there so this colony just entirely collapsed they have a way of overrunning a population and breeding themselves like hey once once your group of 70 people are gone guess what they're hatching 70 or more of these things that took them over it kind of bridges the gap for like the scale of what these things are capable of when it comes to like planetary implications of like overtaking like a spaceship or a colony or even like earth itself basically so you got to be able to kill some of them somehow i guess so Mm -hmm. i i guess i'm 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 less upset about it fair enough i didn't uh, it's like Mm mm-hmm I guess it's like a uh, a necessary evil to me. 
Mm-hmm. It's something I do not like that is not pleasant for me, but I really understand why they did it and think it works and makes a lot of sense. I just just don't like it. I liked I liked my Xenomorph the way it was. Perfect. Beautiful. Look how they massacred my boy. Oh no. Like <laughs> I I still think despite all that we do get a recreation of the sense of foreboding basically that like something happened here like even though we as the audience like we've seen the xenomorph we know what it's capable we know what's in store for these people but we've never sent like a group of people they can be as well armed as whatever they need to be with sending them into a nest of these things does introduce a new kind of terror that I think this movie really communicates the atmosphere of very well. So absolutely, I was still very, very much immersed in this one. Absolutely, man. Scariest part of the movie was for me was when they were like swarming and crawling. You know what I'm talking about? Um, when they when they kind of like, like reveal themselves. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it's like you're, it's like finding a really busy wasp nest at your house you know like it's <laughs> not, that not same just, feeling not just finding it but realizing that it's contained inside of the shirt you just put on yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you realize they're gonna win you're like, about to get fucked up oh no <laughs> it doesn't matter what anybody says in a radio i'm wearing i'm inside of this thing now yep yep jeez jeez i got the heebie-jeebies just remembering it that's what happens when we ignore the smart woman in mass, basically. It happened again. We didn't learn our lesson last time. Yep. Um, what else you got, Denny? What else are you feeling about aliens? This was something I was hoping you might know. Um, okay. So, did James Cameron name Ridley Scott's creation a xenomorph? Because they never say xenomorph in the first movie. Did James Cameron name it? I don't know. I think... Wait, it might be in the credits of Alien. I think it might be credited as Xenomorph in Alien, if I'm not mistaken. I, I'm like I'm like 20% sure on that. I think I like if you look at... Xenomorph name origin. Yeah, if you look... I think like in, even in like IMDb or whatever, it'll have... It'll have the guy's name, Balaji's name, as the xenomorph. I think that's what shows up in the credits for the original Alien. But I could be wrong about that. Um, if not, if James Cameron did come up with that, that's a kick-ass name. Can't think of a better one for that alien specifically. That's cool as hell. Rock mm-hmm, and roll mm-hmm. James. If not, you know, then whatever. Where are you at? Wikipedia? Where are you finding? I'm on Wik- Wikipedia trying to find... Uh, trying to find something. I'm sure we'll find something. Anyway, it was called it was called an alien and an organism in the first film. Um, the term xenomorph was first used by the character Lieutenant Gorman in Aliens with reference to extraterrestrial knives. Uh, I feel like that's all like canonical explanations, but not like credited explanations i guess if that makes sense 
The term was erroneously assumed by some fans to refer specifically to this creature, and the word was used by the producers of some merchandise. What is oh, that? Oh, I don't know, but that's cool. People were selling shirts and dolls and plushes and toys, action figures, and they're like, eh, you know, it's xenomorph or whatever. The that's source what on like. that is from a site that can't be reached, so I don't know if that's true. Mm. One of my least trustworthy sites. <laughs> Shelflife.net doesn't sound like the uh, authoritative uh, voice on the name origins of Xenomorphs. I'm just going to say it. I'll, I'll text my old pal Ridley and see what he says. See if uh, Mr. Cameron is taking meetings this week. Mm. Mm, Mr. Cameron will see you now. <laughs> Anyways. Um, just wanted to pop in for a quick Q&A, Jim. <laughs> Listen, Big Jim, quick question. Did you come up with this shit or not? I know it was <laughs> before I was born. It's been a while. Um, I don't know, man. I, I guess I'll kind of get back on the movie a little bit here. I really loved, the same way I loved Ian Holm as Ash... I loved Paul Reiser as Burke in this movie. As he's just got this scummy qual quality about him. He just looks so corporate. And again, like in the performance, you're like, this guy's got something in the back of his mind. And you can tell he's got, he's got the bottom line in mind. He's willing to sacrifice people for to make the company a few extra bucks, no matter what he says. Mm-hmm. But you do also kind of sometimes believe him when he's like, oh, yeah, we're here to eradicate these aliens. Oh, sure. absolutely. He's such a fucking heel. Like, God, I was rooting for his death. What a fucking sack of shit. Yeah. It's it's like, of course, a xenomorph took care of it, but I was kind of hoping the people would get their, uh, get their turn, basically. Yeah, they were ready to fucking light him up. I loved that. Smart protagonists. They were like, this guy betrayed us? All right, let's fucking shoot him. <laughs> We're hey. out in space. We don't have room for betrayal up here. What if I shot him? What if I shot him too? Calm down, everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, I appreciate to, that. To close a loop, um, uh, the the credit in the first movie is not a xenomorph. It's alien, um, which which appears okay. to... Uh, appears to say that that term came from this movie, um, which is kind of like a... Jason doesn't get his hockey mask till the third movie type of thing. Just kind of funny little history <laughs> note, you know? Because <laughs> that's what they're called. They're called xenomorphs, right? Like, that's what anyone, everyone knows they're called. That's that. just what they are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, Jason Voorhees is a guy with a hockey mask. He's not a child in a lake, you see. Yeah. Or a guy with a burlap sack on his head. Oh, is that a reference to a movie I haven't seen yet? Yeah, part two, he just has a sack on his head with an eye hole. Oh, boring. Put a hockey he wears mask on. overalls and a flannel, too. <sighs> I could make that movie. Anyways, speaking of kids and water, we got Newt. We got kids now. Newt, who I assume is from some sort of a either space Philly or space Baltimore. <laughs> um, or maybe just, you know, regular Baltimore. Wally Ripley, I... 
if we can kill the xenomorph, I just want to go home. My my parents are dead. I can't do Baltimore accent very well. I'm not from there, you see. But yeah, leave it to James Cameron to introduce a a child that sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. Yeah, um, I think we've learned that Ripley is God's apology for. Uh... <laughs> Let me see if I actually made a note of that. Um, the Air Bud Cosmic Justice Theory cannot possibly cross I've got over it. to aliens. Sig Sigourney Weavers are God's apology for dead parents plus one brother. Oh my If you gosh. lose your parents and a brother, God gives you uh, a Ripley. Hey. That's the I, best trade there is uh, out I, of the Air Bud Theory. I've currently got two parents and one brother. <laughs> Holy I, and shit, dude! Zero Sig and zero Sigourney <laughs> Weavers. Would you miss them? Would you miss them? Depends on what Sigourney Weaver has to offer. Can she protect me from any sort of invading force? Well, I don't know. How many Sigourney Weaver tattoos do you have? Uh, currently zero. How many uh, tattoos of your family members do you have? Uh... In sort of an artistic abstract sense, I guess three. Okay, so how much do you think the cover-up would be for each of those tattoos with Sigourney Weaver tattoos after you make this trade with God? She can pay for it. She's got Avatar money, baby. <laughs> I own you now, you see. <laughs> no, but I, I, I do really love the uh, the maternal bond between Ripley and Newt. Um, mm-hmm. There's a real genuine, um, you know, it's not a lot of movies that you get to see women being protective. Um, they're often protected. Um, I, I really liked the protectiveness Ripley got to display. Um, Look at you, damn! All right, yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, it was it was the source of uh, one of the greatest points I've ever heard about a movie. I, I used to listen to this Screen Junkies podcast called Movie Fights. Um, and I would still listen to it if they still made it. But it was so awesome. They would just have, like, three people on, uh, three separate topics about uh, movies. Um, and then they would have to take different stances um, and defend them on the podcast. And it would be mm -hmm. awesome. One of them was, which character would you most like to have babysit your kids? And the one I thought won was Ripley, um, based on this movie. Like, Ripley is the, the cool aunt I would want my daughter to have. Who else would you pick, honestly? Yeah. I mean, who, who were the other two? Do you remember? Laurie Strode was a pretty good babysitter. Yeah, the only canonical babysitter, sure. Zero kids died on her watch. Zero kids died on Ripley's watch, though, too. She was babysitting someone else's babysitting kid and kept them alive. She was she was double fisting. She was step babysitting them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the movie i don't know what to tell you man. <laughs> oh damn i am um, maybe it's one of those james cameron tidbits you're talking about but i did get a good laugh from like we're in the air vent escaping the xenomorphs it's just hicks ripley and newt running away at this point and there's like that little 
uh, mill spinning thing as on their way to the ladder. And Newt kind of slips down. They grab her. Ripley grabs her jacket sleeve, and then <laughs> Newt just like slips out of the jacket. <laughs> And, like, slides down the vent. I got a big laugh out of that because it looked yep. like she didn't even try to, like, not slip out of the jacket. Vanessa but, literally went, come on, kid. You gotta try harder <laughs> than that. <laughs> what can I say? Vanessa's right in this case. Oh, man. I I don't think we've talked a lot about... We talked about it some in the first one, but... The effects of these movies Denny you and I are huge practical effects guys I've like I've set up this room and I've been like vibing a lot lately with like 80s movies and specifically ones and like there was a recent red letter media video about Little Shop of Horrors and I'm just like like this rejuvenated eye and like desire for like really cool and good practical effects how do you feel about the effects in this movie and uh, I guess for for both movies is oh my gosh like we just did Close Encounters of the Third Kind and you know I'm just like I'm so in the mood for movies that can accomplish like believable effects that came out like way before I was born and I feel like this is up there so I was literally thinking we should do another practical effects episode recently. Okay. Uh, maybe because I watched these movies. Um, I, I was, I've been craving it like you have. Um, I also watched uh, a pretty long YouTube video about Little Shop of Horrors, so that also got me in the mood. Um, but, um, man, has there ever been a cooler effect than the Queen Xenomorph? <laughs> I can't think of one. Man. My god, that thing is it's it's a fucking Rembrandt painting is what it is. Like it's a goddamn Da Vinci. A Da Vinci original, man. Mm -hmm. Like Jesus, it's 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 amazing. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, you see Stan Winston's name in the opening credits. Mm. You're like something special is about to happen. In the biz. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you see something laying eggs and you're just like oh this is just some sort of tube and then that slow pan over to the queen and then like the backlighting and the scale of it and then like the mouth drops into like the face and it's just so menacing and believable like it's so good and you know we're mowing down xenomorphs in a way that kind of like you were saying maybe diminishes a little bit of what made them special in the first one and then the the queen shows up to remind you of like just what we're dealing with and provides you with that sort of sense of undefeatability of this species like it's just i i think this movie rewards your patience and like rewards kind of like if you were looking for the big bad that does feel unbeatable you're going to get it and yeah. it is going to scare the shit out of you yes and a great transition into like how fucking good is that final fight scene with, with mm -hmm. Ripley in the mech suit um, like I just kept looking at Vanessa and going just look at it just look at it! <laughs> it's so, so fucking good. The shots they got. Like, oh my god, man. Like, 
I am I am in love with like the last twenty five minutes of this movie in every mm-hmm. way, man. Just some of the some of the finest uh, footage ever committed to film. So fucking good. Um, I I am not of the opinion that like somehow a German expressionism film is more artistic than the T Rex in Jurassic Park. Um, that if something's super badass, that also means it's not art. Fuck you. Mm. Um, like this is a work of art, an absolute work of art. I can't remember. And what way you... harder to pull off than a German art film. I can't remember what we talked about recently where you made that same comparison where it's just like something massive is, should be considered equally an impressive work of art in film. It might have actually been when we did Jurassic Park. I don't know. Yeah, our like third episode or whatever it was. Yeah, I sent you a TikTok recently of the um, the commentary about how they got the sound of the T-Rex and all the different layers of different animal sounds that they used mm-hmm. to kind of achieve that sound effect. And like that same sort of... I, I get the same feeling from when I see the T-Rex in Jurassic Park that I do seeing the Queen in Aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very, very cool. Man, it's just like... Uh, we've been using the term movie magic a lot lately and I feel like we've arrived we've been once again. watching a lot of magical movies. This is true. And we've arrived once again at some peak movie magic. Like the last 25 minutes and this is the this Blu-ray it has the theatrical and the special edition. I think the special edition adds like 20 minutes, but those last 25 minutes like you were saying, your eyes are just glued to the screen and even though it Maybe it feels a little bit like we're just trying to extend the story and just kind of like, we just want to keep this ride going a little bit. I'm so emotionally gripped by all of it and like audio-visually enamored with it that I don't feel like they're trying to like push for extra screen time. Every single minute that (laughs) uh, this movie concludes with is completely earned and I don't feel like there's any sense of like oh we're just trying to extend the runtime basically so a plus work what a finale yes what a finale what a finale the grandest finale love it Mm. um and the ultimate lesson here denny because those loaders are basically just a piece of equipment right this is like the forklifts of the future and the ultimate lesson from aliens is, of course, that the best thing you could do for your friends or your family is to be forklift certified. So there you go. <laughs> there you go, folks. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Um, a few stray notes. Um, Hit me. I found the crew of the Nostromo a lot more likable than these annoying military jackasses. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very 80s even like the sarge waking up from cryo sleep and shoving a cigar in his mouth like before even opening his eyes all the way yes <laughs> they they seem like they're all just like stock action movie characters that were waiting to be copied and pasted into any old action flick um I don't I f- love them. I feel like that's true, but I also feel more connected to them than I do like a lot of those same kinds of characters that you're talking about just like oh no like i actually feel like a little bit 
more towards these characters when they die than I do to like the same kind of equivalent character archetypes that would be present sure. in movies from this from this time period. Yeah, well, and that's because their deaths are super badass, <laughs> and because and because they are smart protagonists that don't really fuck much up, you know. So like, it matters when they die. You remember when, when that die. guy shoved the shotgun into the xenomorph's mouth in the APC and just that blew the top dope. of its head off? God, that was fucking damn. dope as fuck. This movie fucking rocks. <laughs> so cool. Um, at the end of the day, how comfy does hypersleep hmm. look? Comfiest thing ever. It looks so cozy. Dude, if you could just, like, blink and 57 years go by, like, it's got to be a very nice experience. And, like, as soon as Ripley starts getting regular sleep, she's having nightmares. So, there you go. Point I made. I fucking hated that James Cameron put a dream sequence fake out in this movie. Really? Pissed me right the fuck off. What just about the... Fresh yeah. out the gate in the first act of the movie, we're being lazy. We're just being lazy in Act One. I, you just—you don't love—you don't love it when you see it. It's not pleasant. I didn't love the analog Jason X holodeck that he also put in the first act. <laughs> if I may. Uh, yeah, he's lucky this movie happened to be super badass, so we can excuse these things. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> Louise. Um. One more stray note. They should have named Newt Annie's boobs because she lives in the vents and hoards things. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, they shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> she was very much like the monkey that steals spins. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I guess. A feral vent child. I guess she was more like Chang. This movie's Chang. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's our community reference for the week. We finally found one, folks. Oh, we did we talk about one. Abed earlier, I guess, so whatever. Did we get I Think You Should Leave in yet? Yeah, I mentioned it, I guess, with Detroiters, so whatever. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, count it, count it, count it. Count it. It's <laughs> tally it. It's part of, the, part of the episode. All right, Denny, are you out of stray notes? I am. Those are all my stray notes. Well done. Very good ones. Uh, are you ready to get into some gimmicks? I am ready to get into week. some gimmicks, Greg. For this week. I am too, buddy. Denny, what's your hunted moment? Um, I wish there were a hundred minutes of mech suit alien fights. <laughs> Something Very I'd cool. like to see a hundred of minutes of that fight. I would watch uh, the Lord of the Rings extended edition aliens with just an hour more of, of them fighting in pro wrestling style. <laughs> them having an Iron Man match. A, a royal rumble of... <laughs> <laughs> the it's another cool. xenomorph. It's another person <laughs> in a Mexican. It just goes on and on and on. <laughs> you can only knock out the xenomorph if you throw it over the top rope, you see. But it like lands on its tail so both feet don't hit the ground. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Kofi Kingston of Xenomorphs. <laughs> I get that. I got it. My man's woke. Hell woke yeah. to the wrestling. Uh, we don't need pancakes. We've got tails. Um, <laughs> Fuck yeah. Whew, my hunted moment is I wish 
I could see it a hundred more times, and I want a hundred more minutes of those first moments of the xenomorphs unfurling themselves from the walls when they're in the Whoa. middle of the nest. <laughs> Truly terrifying shit, man. Like, we kind of traded the atmosphere from the first movie. Like, I laid out, like, different kinds of atmosphere that was, like, executed perfectly in the first one. This movie does something different where we're landing in this... Um, in this colony we know it's populated we just saw it we don't see it get eviscerated by the aliens basically and now it's just haunted this movie does really really good at conveying just how like haunted this place feels and then all that culminates and like it just earns every little bit of that by having all the aliens just like uncurl from the walls and start attacking the marines so fucking cool Hell yeah, oh my god is. terrifying terrifying shit so great um denny what's your favorite line from aliens um let me see yeah. um obviously um I, I gotta give a runner up to game over man game over for the memes um hell yeah what was one of the random action movie guys going <laughs> this is my winner this is my favorite line and substance is being secreted yeah but secreted from what <laughs> the way he said it was so fucking funny to me <laughs> delivered as if he was Polly Shore in a fucking <laughs> <laughs> aliens comedy movie. <laughs> an alien spoof movie <laughs> Oh my god. Anyways, that's a good favorite line. Uh, one of my runner-up was a marine badass one-liner ones. When they're first going onto the planet, they're in the dropship. And when I, I think it's Henderson says, We're on an express la we're on an express elevator to hell. Going down. <laughs> Mwah, terrific. Chef's kiss. Um, but my favorite line again i guess for the memes is newt saying they mostly come at night mostly <laughs> me and me and my buddy ryan quote that constantly and i have a koozie that yeah even has that quote on there so that's cool i should have i should have shown it for the video but it's all the way over there anyways Oof. all right denny what'd you give this one for the old critic score I gave it a 45 out of 50, 4.5 stars. Um, that is saying one of the best action movies ever made. Uh, but I also do feel that it has a certain ceiling um, that keeps it from reaching the heights of Alien. Um, but yeah. still, not to not to not to diminish it, it is uh, one of the most badass movies I've seen in my fucking life, and I love it. Very cool great justification i i feel like you were a lot more negative of the man himself than the movie this time around this is but... a, like it's a i critique because i care situation you know like i like the the, the... good is the enemy of great mr cameron good is the enemy of great and this is very good but not great i guess in your eyes no it's great it's a fucking great movie everything else though could use some work um 
I gave this one, I, I raised it. I had it a little bit lower, but I gave it a 35 out of 40. Pretty much the same ballpark as Denny. Um, the first one, I think, is a masterpiece. And this one, I don't think it's a masterpiece, but it is a triumph, for sure. Mm, an all-timer like action. That. It is an all-timer action movie. One of the best sequels, even though, like, you know... I think we like we did an episode on this at one point too it's like people want to call this a sequel that's better than the original i don't think it is i think that's really no, rare to find but no 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 this is one of the best sequels i have ever seen without to, a doubt undoubtedly it's my example of like a great sequel like and i mentioned at the top of this the review of it too it's just like you can go for a total departure from the first movie make it your own thing and still make a great movie that captures a lot of the spirit and makes you feel like the two movies there they are the two movies kind of work in tandem they can be as different as you want but it's just like man what a cool series i bet all the rest of the movies are great tbd <laughs> i liked prometheus i liked prometheus I feel like we're in the minority there. Thinking Mer- yeah. uh, Prometheus is cool. I could go cool. for a rewatch of Prometheus. It's been a while. I watched it a couple years ago. Uh, did we st- watch it together? I think we did. We could have. That's very possible. It's cool, though. Yeah. yeah. Thumbs up. Do recommend. Well, I'll watch three in Resurrection, I guess, pretty soon here. We'll see. <laughs> I've heard Covenant is bad. Mm, I've heard all of the movies I just mentioned are bad, too. So I guess we're going to have to... Approach the series with a grain of salt. I checked my Critiker predictive score for Alien 3 um, to, to know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, it has me giving it a 33. Out of which 50? Is, yeah, okay. 33 out of 50, which is like a 66. low average. Yeah. A lower average for me. You know, like, it's technically a passing grade, but nothing memorable. So I'm not expecting, like garbage i'm sure it'll be a fun enough sci-fi you know like i i don't think i'll hate it based on that algorithmic yeah. prediction but we'll see i i did just say we'll take the rating the potential for the rest of the series with a grain of salt has anybody tried dumping salt on these xenomorphs maybe they're like mm. slugs or snails you just gotta they're slimy like, they're they slimy are, like slugs they are slimy maybe they react bad to sodium chloride i don't know I don't know. Or, you know, the common cold, like it's War of the Worlds or whatever. <laughs> All right, Denny. We fucking did it, bud. Yeah, man. Uh, what's, what is the best movie for when you've done 100 episodes, by the way? I guess to conclude the theme. <laughs> I'm going to say it's a tie between Alien and Aliens for when you do 100 episodes. I think Ooh. you gotta you got to do them both. I don't think this episode would be complete, one without the other. I think... I think it's our first tie. It's the perfect one-two punch double feature for a hundred episodes. If you ask me, what say you? I I know I have to be the tiebreaker here, but I I feel like I'm landing in the same in the same rescue pod as you are. This is a tie. If you want to see the best movie for when you've done a hundred podcast episodes about movies, you're not gonna you're not gonna find anything better than alien and aliens folks unless you've done them you know already but i I can give you a number real quick 
these are our 209th and 210th movies that we've covered on this podcast so how about that damn dude remember when we used to do three a week holy fuck i'm getting really inflated our stats there was a point where i was watching aliens where i was like oh my god i'm like I feel like I'm running out of time watching the second of two movies, and we used to do three movies a week. How in the world did I... <laughs> we did that for a year and a half. We did that for and the so podcast long. Was, the podcast was like three and a half hours, too, so we were dedicating like upwards of like 12 to 13 hours a week to this. Yeah, and then the episodes were like three hours long, and nobody listened. And yeah. like... <laughs> There were weeks where I was like, I gotta watch Con Air and Next and Vampire's Kiss and then have, like, the mentality to talk about it on a Thursday night after a long week of work. No, thank you. Uh, no more. Feels better. Feels better now that we switched it up. But it was uh, it was nice to revisit with a one-two punch. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, if, you're, if we're gonna do multiple movies again, like, what I do I want to do anything else? I don't think so. Denny, speaking of doing other movies, this chapter is closed. The first hundred are done. What are we getting into next week? Well, Gregory. Uh-oh. It's our favorite time of year on the Movies for Win podcast. It's the start of Spookies for Win. Oh, no. Dracula Denny's playing a tiny piano. That's how you know it's spooky season. Why do I do this? Why do I do this when I'm spooky? I don't know. <laughs> what is what is this? I like it though. Thank you. Ooh. <laughs> oh, <chords. It's> my <laughs> claws. <laughs> anyway, spooky season is starting up again, folks. And this is our first year to do it. I think with um our first time doing it with only one movie a week, if I'm not mistaken. So Yeah. We kind of did things a little bit differently this year. There is going to be a special episode here. I'm going to, if it's all right with you, Denny, I'm going to kind of lay out the plan Please for do. spooky season. Greg's um, horror watch list, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, folks. We've got six, six episodes planned for spooky season. I don't know what the theme is going to be. It's basically just going to be movies for when it's spooky season. But Denny and I have basically each chosen two movies. What make it movies for when Greg needs to see new horror movies? <laughs> I, don't know. I will type that into the spreadsheet now. When Greg needs to see new horror movies. All right, all done. Um, I or wait, look. new spooky movies because these aren't all horror. That's very true. Um, they're so not horror. In fact, that Denny, we're starting next week with. We each drafted two movies for spooky season the first one is actually going to be one of my picks we kind of had to change some plans so i adopted one of your original picks the first movie we're going to cover we're going to ease into spooky season with something spooky but not too scary we're going to be covering ghostbusters Woo! next week there we go god so i'm excited some more 80s classics that greg hasn't seen for some reason there we go we're on our way folks uh, Ghostbusters. I have never seen it before, so tune in for that. Uh, after that is one of Denny's picks, a movie called Demon, which is from... Demons, plural. De Demons. 
Excuse me, Denny, what year is that from? <laughs> oh, fuck. I don't know, but it's on uh, Hulu right now, believe it or not. It is from 1985. Yeah, I think this one's like an international feature. So it's like you got to make sure you're <laughs> watching the right ones with such a generic title. Well, it's a it's an Italian movie. Italian, that shot, yeah. That is shot in English. They speak English in the movie, but it's an Italian movie. Interesting. It's really fun. Very, uh, very Evil Dead Two. Ooh, I like that. The Evil Dead Two. It's a me, uh, Sam Raimi. So after that, we are going to be covering the other movie I'm going to pick, which is a Phil Tippett original. The guy from Jurassic Park, Star Wars, RoboCops one and two. He made a stop motion horror movie a few years ago called Mad God. I've got the Blu-ray. Denny's probably going to come over and watch it with me if I'm lucky. Yay. And then uh, a little something special happens in the middle of that, folks, because uh, if you look at your calendar, the 13th of October happens to land on a Friday. We've got another, our fourth part of this series on this podcast. Movies for when it's Friday the 13th, part four. We've got a few movies that we haven't seen in the series. You guys are going to be voting for it and picking it between parts two, three, six, nine, and the 2009 reboot. What? I was just saying reboot. Reboot. Yeah, there I we was go. lipping. I was trying to lip sync with you. Ah. I threw you off. I'm sorry. I was just trying to, trying to sync up. Boy, did I'm it. I'm excited. I'm really pumped right now. I'm really, really pumped. I'm, I'm excited. Really, really, really pumped. Really, really, really pumped. Uh, Friday the 13th in October. This is very cool. We're going to celebrate hard. Uh, after that, we've got a movie that Denny picked called Ringu. If you're familiar with The Ring, here's the original. Am I right about that? Correct. Okay. And then our last episode for Spooky Season, which will be premiering on October 27th, is going to be determined later because we don't have a movie yet for when it's halloween <laughs> we uh, might have to let the people vote or do we i don't know this seems like a fun poll it seems like, like a like very a fun, fun poll. poll yeah we can build up some anticipation we're looking forward to it but yeah that's our plan for spooky season thank you guys for celebrating 100 entire episodes with us i hope you enjoyed the video aspect of this hope you were able to watch it um don't expect a lot more videos in the future i guess i don't really see the point of a podcast being on video but whatever it felt like a fun thing to do for today we like to upload something to the youtube channel once every two years rock and roll baby um maybe you'll do something about the beetlejuice remake when that comes out uh I think uh, I don't think medicated Denny is going to make any more Beetlejuice videos. <laughs> I think uh, I think that was a, a, a symptom of something. <laughs> mm. Yeah, somebody saw it was like you need this kind of medicine. So <laughs> I just showed it to my psychiatrist. <laughs> oh damn! Without further ado, Denny, what would medicated Denny do with a catchphrase? I think you'd have to say, for Greg work, the legwork, Johnson, I'm Denny the Talent Taylor, and this has been Movies for When! Times 100!
We already told you when. A hundred times. Get it through your thick fucking skull. But you know what we will never tell you? What's my cage again? (laughs) 